WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. We have an exciting episode today with Kaylee Ward, where we're discussing her research where she was serving the community in Japan. Hi, Kaylee. Thanks so much for joining us. May you please tell us more about yourself and your research? Thanks for having me today. So a little bit about myself. I'm a current a PhD student in sociology and environmental science policy at Michigan State University. And the work that I do with communities in Japan are those who have gone through a major disaster. In this case, I work with groups who suffered from the 2011 Great East Japan earthquake. A lot of people might not remember that, but it was 10 years ago, and it's when Japan suffered from a major tsunami that hit the northeastern coast of Japan. And the community that I work with was completely devastated um, by the tsunami. They had a tsunami of about 60 feet in height. And as you can imagine, that would be more than a four-story building. So there's really nowhere to go in that case. The community is only about 18,000 people that I work with. And after the disaster, there's only about 12,000 people now in the town. And so a lot of the work I do is helping them recover socially and economically and seeing ways in which we can do that from the bottom up by encouraging residents to participate in decision making and also to create community programs that help benefit residents. Yeah, I remember when I was growing up in high school that the earthquake was all over the news back then. It was really just a sad time for those people, unfortunately. You talked about how the tsunami devastated this town, but what is the relationship between an earthquake and a tsunami? Great question. Not all earthquakes will generate a tsunami. In most cases, you need a a large earthquake, so high magnitude level. So there's seven is pretty high. And in this case, this disaster was recorded at a nine. So this disaster in particular, you have an earthquake going on for more than a minute, and it's extreme shaking. And because the earthquake was only, at least for, you know, in the U.S., what we consider maybe couple miles offshore, there wasn't much time for people to evacuate. And because the earthquake was so powerful, it generated or had the ability to generate a large tsunami. So usually what you have is we have these tectonic plates that we, you know, different portions, different continents rest on. And those plates move over time, usually very, very slowly. So slowly you you don't ever, but sometimes those plates will catch on each other and pressure will build up and build up and build up. And eventually they'll slip past each other. And that movement between plates is what generates an earthquake. And sometimes that movement can cause plates to move up or down. That's when plates move underneath or over top each other. And that movement of plates over top each other or underneath each other is what actually generates the tsunami. Wow, I feel really bad for these people. A magnitude 9 is honestly like unthinkable for me. Coming from Florida and now living in Michigan, I've never experienced an earthquake. Now, you said that you created community programs for the people that were affected by this. There are so many different things that you could create. For example, you can help people who were affected like health-wise, mentally, and even provide resources. What did you do particularly for the community? Yeah, it's a great question. So I started working with this community in 2014 after going to Japan for study, actually. And I got involved with a nonprofit there who was working with residents who were in temporary housing. As a result of the disaster, almost 10,000 residents were immediately homeless. So as you might imagine, that's a large movement of people into temporary shelters or temporary homes. And one of the effects of the disaster was essentially this diaspora of people, people leaving the community um, because they didn't have homes anymore or because they couldn't afford to rebuild or it was just too difficult to stay in the community due to the trauma. 
And so one of the things the nonprofit does is create community programs specifically centered on creating opportunities for children and families to interact with others. So really a lot of our programs are unification efforts where we have programs in different prefectures or states. And at those events, we invite children and families who were originally from the community to return back and to attend these and essentially share in different programs that children participate in and also that parents can participate in. Usually when we're looking at recovery post-disaster, there's a lot of focus on, you know, rebuilding. Where are we going to put the houses? Where is the hospital going to go? All this physical infrastructure stuff that's also very important. But oftentimes, you know, people's well-being or their connection to their community isn't really focused on as much as a important measure of recovery. 